This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. Between the roads to prosperity and the federal infrastructure law, there's a lot going on when it comes to roads and bridges. There's a lot of bridges in West Virginia, 7,141 at last count. That's a lot of bridges for a small state. That story and more coming up this West Virginia Morning. Support for West Virginia Morning is proudly provided by Luke Frazier. House debate closed Tuesday on the contentious campus carry firearms bill. Randy Yowie has the reaction and the result. The Campus Self-Defense Act, Senate Bill 10, will allow the concealed carry of firearms on college campuses. Several of the dozen House Democrats spoke passionately against the bill, concerned with taking institutional freedom away from state colleges and universities opposed to campus carry. But in near unison, House Republicans, like Delegate Chris Pritt, a Republican from Kanawha County, responded that allowing legally carried firearms on the state's college campuses protects the individual's right. Individual rights are not circumstantial. They don't they shouldn't depend on where a person is. There should be no such thing as a second class constitutional right. The Campus Self-Defense Act passed the House 84 to 13. It has now completed legislation and goes to the governor for his signature. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Randy Yowie. Today is dementia-friendly day in St. Albans. The Kanawha County town is the first location in the state that has been recognized as being dementia-friendly. For his radio series, Getting Into Their Reality, Caring for Aging Parents, News Director Eric Douglas spoke with Walter Hall, the vice mayor of St. Albans, and one of the founders of the dementia-friendly program to find out what it was all about. What does that mean? What What is a dementia-friendly city? So the dementia-friendly means that we've reached out to our community partners. Our community partners in any community are our churches, our nonprofits, uh, our grocery stores, our police, our fire, our city employees, public works. So to become dementia-friendly, we developed a plan of um, educating our community on becoming dementia friendly. First experience we had was at the Hansford Senior Center, and it was called a hands-on experience. And we invited the general public, and we had some professionals there to speak about. A neurologist spoke. Uh, uh, we had uh, doctors, nurses, hospice, Alzheimer's, and we had a hands-on experience. And we had close to a hundred. folks from the community show up for that event. Let's talk about that training for for businesses, though. You you go into this first business, and you're you're teaching the employees. If somebody comes in who's agitated or doesn't make sense, whatever, Mm -hmm. this might be dementia. What what are Mm -hmm. they supposed to do? How do they react to that? We, we, uh, as an employee... Uh, they are to recognize the signs of, of dementia. And we have the pamphlets and the brochures in the restaurant to recognize the top 10 signs of, of dementia. And to do that as an employee is to be more patient, uh, uh, be more understanding, and develop an eye contact with the caregiver. And we have these cards, and then there are dementia-friendly St. Albans with our logo, and on the back of it, please be patient for my loved one is suffering from dementia. Hmm. 
They may repeat their questions. Please be patient. And that's on the back of the business card. So the caregivers come into a dementia-friendly trained business, and when the employee comes up, the first thing they are to do as a caregiver is to hand that card to the employee so that they have you don't mention it or discuss it in front of them because our parents and our loved ones can hear. Sure. They have some understanding of what you're saying and can become quite agitated. Just hand them a little business card. Now there's a whole different level of understanding in that. You're you're talking about a caregiver takes takes a loved one out to dinner. Yes. Get them out of the house. Absolutely. Get some fresh air. It's important to interact with other humans. Sure, sure. Absolutely. It's our nature. Um, and so, so they walk into this restaurant and just casually, the the caregiver hands a, a business card to the to the waiter or waitress to the to the staff, mm-hmm. and that gives them a heads up. Hey, this person mm-hmm. has dementia. I need to treat them a little differently. Now, every city employee, police, fire, public works, our water and sewer. All these folks have been trained on how to identify the signs or understand what's going on with one, that it's not drugs or it's not a a mental um, uh, health issue. Uh, We have restaurants calling us every day now wanting to sign up for this. Fantastic. And uh, we have a, a crew now that can go and perform this training. Yeah, it's all about education. It's educating our community. Uh, uh, shops, restaurants, markets, our streets, on our neighbors, or our, our, everyone. And uh, six years, we have a, a nice following and a nice group. We all help ourselves. We have to look out for one another. And by nature, we as humans have to interact with others. And we invite you to encourage you to br- bring your mom and dad on out. Bring your grandpa, grandma. Bring them on out. Go to these 13, 14 businesses they understand what's going on. Make your reservation. So, I mean, and I think you told me before, at the time, at least, that you started, there was only one other city, and that was in Minnesota, maybe? Yes, it was in, uh, I wish I could remember the town. But, uh, yeah, there was one uh, city, one community in Minnesota that had gone through the dementia-friendly training. Uh, there's a Dementia-Friendly America um, that – has their own set of uh, rules, and then we have the Alzheimer's Association has uh, their own set. Okay. Uh, well, I, I guess of guidelines, was... I should say, not rules, or guidelines of what to follow to become a dementia-friendly community. And we got the support of both organizations, and we're now recognized as dementia-friendly community and stamped and approved by each organization. That was Walter Hall speaking with Eric Douglas about dementia-friendly St. Albans for the radio series, Getting Into Their Reality, Caring for Aging Parents. To read more of the interview or check out the rest of the series, visit our website at wvpublic.org. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 751. Rain and gusty wind early today, clearing in the south, high temperatures in the 60s and 70s. Windy tonight with a chance of rain, lows in the 40s and 50s. Tomorrow, rain early, becoming mostly sunny with highs in the 60s and 70s. 
Support for the weather forecast is provided by the attorneys at Taurus Save a Law, representing firefighters, police officers, and West Virginia families. Information at TaurusSaveAlaw.com. Between the roads to prosperity and the federal infrastructure law, there's a lot going on when it comes to roads and bridges. For the legislature today, Curtis Tate spoke with State Transportation Secretary Jimmy Wriston and Senator Charles Clements, the chairman of the Senate Committee on Transportation and Infrastructure, to discuss the state's progress. Uh, Secretary Wriston, let me, let me start with you and let me ask you about uh, Governor Jim Justice's signature Roads to Prosperity program, $2.8 billion, you know, construction projects all over the, the state of West Virginia. Uh, can you give us kind of a progress report on that? What do we need to know? I, absolutely. You know, the last bond tranche was just uh, just a little more than a year ago. Uh, we, we sold that last bucket of bonds, and we're, we're rolling those projects out. By the end of the year, all of those projects will be under contract. So uh, we're making great progress. We're uh, got slowed down a little bit with the pandemic, but uh, the, the roads to prosperity, the governor's great vision for the state has really shown us what investing in our infrastructure can do for us. And uh, th- that was exactly what he told us when, when, he, when he took office in 2017. You know, you focus on education, you focus on transportation, you focus on tourism, and you turn things around, and we've seen that. Let me also ask you about bridges, because I know you're a bridge guy. Uh, when, you, we, when you testified in the U.S. Senate last year, uh, you said that, that the, there are thousands of bridges in West Virginia, and, and some of them are in, in dire need of attention. They're not always the big ones like the, the Nitro Bridge or the ones up in Wheeling. Uh, can, you, can you tell us a little bit more about the, the backlog there? These are just kind of small, ordinary bridges that people might not notice. Uh, what, are, what are we looking at there? Well, what, and like you said, uh, there's a lot of bridges in West Virginia, 7,141 at last count. That's a lot of bridges for a small state, and uh, the state takes care of all of those. The, uh, the Infrastructure and Investment Jobs Act is going to help us really, really uh, move our bridge program forward. Uh, we have a lot of bridges to take care of, a lot of them are signature bridges, and you've seen us deal with many of those with the Governor's Roads to Prosperity program. We're going to continue that. We're going to be able to help with the municipalities with this, this federal program. Um, so many of those bridges will be federally funded at 100% with no match. Uh, there's another section of those bridges that are non-state owned, and we're going to work with those, those folks that do own those, uh, the municipalities that own them. To, uh, to try to ease that burden of, of the 20% match with those as well. But all told, we're, we're more than $500 million over the five-year uh, life of the bill to, uh, to, to deal with our bridges. Now, don't misunderstand me. West Virginia bridges are safe. If they're not safe, they're closed. Uh, but they do need attention. And we've got to get the, the poor rating, the poor condition rating of these bridges up to good, fair, move, move, the, move those into where we can uh, serve the citizens and not have posted bridges out there. Well, you mentioned the bipartisan infrastructure law, uh, and I think that gives about $500 million or so for bridges in West Virginia. How far will that get you? Well, it's, uh, it's, not, it's certainly not going to take care of uh, 7,141 bridges, but it's absolutely an impressive down payment. 
It's a very impressive down payment. I, I, I would tell you, I'm not going to use slang for that bill, that, that bipartisan infrastructure. That's slang, and that's a politically motivated. So uh, the bottom line is this is the infrastructure, in, infrastructure Investment Jobs Act that we're talking about, and that was a bipartisan effort led by our, our great Senator Shelley Moore Capito that got a lot of this stuff in there for our bridges and for rural West Virginia. Uh, well, Senator Clements, uh, speaking of, of bridges, uh, there there seems to be some concern um, in the legislature about uh, you know putting names, putting people's names on bridges and highways and and things like that. There's some effort, I think, to to maybe maybe uh, uh, limit that. Some. What can you tell us about that? Well, it was. It, it is. We passed a new rule through the joint rule of the House and Senate which puts a time frame on those bills. What had happened in the past was all of those bills were to come over to the Senate from the House the last week of the session. And it clogged up our operations because our attorneys and intern that works on those, they had to spend a lot of time just working on those bridge naming resolutions. So now we have a process in place that will take effect after this year. So we'll have, still have the same log jam this year. However, I don't think there's as many of them as in the past. And they have to have all that information in the system before we come into session next year. And those bills, those bridges resolutions are going to have to be passed out early in the session so that we don't, don't have that log jam because that last week, We've got a lot of important legislation we need to work on, and we're being sidetracked by these bridge naming resolutions. That was Senator Charles Clements and Transportation Secretary Jimmy Riston speaking with Curtis Tate for the legislature today. To hear the rest of that interview, visit our website at wvpublic.org. Tune in every evening, Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. on radio and television to get updates on the legislative session. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from West Virginia University, Concord University, and Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Bill Lynch, Caroline McGregor, Curtis Tate, Chris Schultz, Emily Rice, Eric Douglas, Liz McCormick, Randy Yowie, and Shepard Snyder. Eric Douglas is our news director, and he produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning.